Uh, Cheryl, I don't know if you guys know, Cheryl works here during the week, and she goes, well, I'm going to be here. And I said, you have to be here. You run the church. <laughs> so, <clears throat> oh, you didn't think I was kidding, did you? I was dead serious. Can you do me, your, do me a favor? Open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. For all those who are looking at their watch and they're nervous right now, I've cut my message down a little bit. <clears throat> You'll be able to watch your game and eat your wings, I promise. Um, We're starting a new series, and the series is called Lies. How many know that Satan, his goal is to tell some lies and to get us to believe those lies? And there are a lot of lies that we buy into, even as Christians, even knowing better, there are some lies that are planted And we let take root in our lives. And I just feel like God put on my heart that we need to shine a light onto some of these lies. So that we can be better equipped and prepared on what to do when Satan tries to do what he does best. And share some of those lies with us, trying to get us to buy in. Where I want to start though, is this word called doubt. Part one today, we're going to call this one doubt. I want to read John. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read very quickly. You'll see it up here on the screen. The second part of John 8:44 says this, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and he is the father of lies. That's what the Bible is telling us about Satan himself. And not only do we know that his his native language, our lies, but we also know this from John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they, have, that they may have life and have it to the full. So we're learning a lot about Satan right here. One, lies, 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 lies. Have you ever been around someone who you thought their native language was lying? Drives me nuts. I cannot stand it. I'm just like, seriously, we're lying about this right now? This doesn't even matter. You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, my word, does it drive me crazy. And Satan is worse. His native tongue, his native language is lies. And we know what his intentions are. To steal, to kill, and destroy. That's what he wants for you and for me. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, one thing that I've noticed as I've gotten older is Satan is pretty slick when it comes to lying. He's pretty slick when he comes to putting his action plan into place. I used to think, especially growing up, that when Satan jumps on the screen or or, or the scene here, he's going to be like, like we see Goliath. Right? When we first read about Goliath, what is he doing? Screaming and yelling and just, you know, using all these, like, you know, cut downs and, you know, whatever it is. He's really going after him. But you know he's there. Satan's more slick about it. He comes at it with a different approach. In the same way, generally, we talk about seeds, you know, especially in the Bible where where, you know, Jesus is using metaphors and talking about the seed falling on good soil and things like that. 
Jesus isn't the only one out there throwing seeds. Satan is trying to throw seeds. And his goal is that if he can plant the right seeds in your heart, that instead of good, beautiful uh, uh, plants with, with fruit and things like that growing, the truth of God growing in our lives, it is things like doubt and lies that will grow in our hearts. I've learned that, that Satan has a way of just trying to get you off course just a touch, right? If Satan came up to you today and said, hey, I think you should cheat on your wife, what would you say? No way, get out of here. But what happens when you see the commercial or the ad or the advertisement on Facebook with, where it's promoting women in their underwear? And then next thing you know, pornography sneaks in. And the next thing you know, there's a long conversation with someone in the office. And the next thing you know, and the next thing you know, and the next thing you know, and then one day you wake up and go, how did I get here? That's how Satan likes to, to do his work. That's how he does business. What I want to do is I actually want to look back to the very beginning of the Bible. We're starting in Genesis chapter 3. And we see how Satan begins to plant these seeds of doubt in a couple people's lives. Genesis 3, verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say? Let's pray. Jesus, we give you these moments. God, I pray that our hearts would be ready to receive what you have for us today. God, I pray that not one word that I say would be mine, that it would always be yours. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be the one that is speaking to our hearts. God, help us to see what Satan is trying to accomplish, but also help us to see what you are trying to accomplish. God, have your way in this place. Speak to us this morning in Jesus' name and everyone said. Amen. Did God really say? Did God really say? Satan doesn't jump on the scene and say, hey, God's a liar. No, he jumps on the scene and says, did God really say? Did he really say? Here's the setting of our story. Genesis 2-7, we read about God creating man, Adam. Genesis 2-8, God puts man, Adam, in this beautiful garden that God caused to grow that we call the Garden of Eden. He put Adam there, and it is paradise. Verse 9 says God made all kinds of trees grow. These weren't just normal trees. This isn't your typical oak tree, elm tree, whatever. These are big, luscious, beautiful trees that have the most amazing types of fruit growing on them. Good food. Then we read about the tree of life is in this garden. And there's another tree called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God says to Adam, you see where I've put you? You see this beautiful garden. You see these beautiful trees and all this incredible food that's coming from these trees? You can eat from any of them. It's all yours. But don't do one thing. Don't eat from that tree right there. The tree of of knowledge of good and evil. 
Genesis 2, 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Everybody say, certainly die. You will certainly die. That is strong language. He didn't say you might get sick. He didn't say, I'm not quite sure if it's ripe or good for you. You will certainly die. The story goes on. God sees that it is not good for man to be alone. Amen. So he creates Eve. So now we have Adam and his wife Eve. And they have one job, and that's to take care of the garden and to stay away from that one tree. That brings us back to Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? So we see Satan again. He doesn't jump on the scene and just come out with this outlandish, crazy statement right out front. Did God really say that? Are you sure he said that? Did he say you can't eat from any tree? He is planting seeds of doubt. What does doubt begin to do? Well, it creates this wedge in between us and God. Satan understands the power of doubt. He doesn't have to get you to say, you know, to to be totally one way or the other. He goes, if I can just get him to wobble a little bit. Have you ever seen a kid learning how to ride a bike? It's funny, but that's kind of messed up too. Because what happens is as these kids are riding a bike, you can tell, oh, they're going down. They are going down. Because what happens? The first little wobble, you're like, done, toast. I just start running because I'm like, they're, you know, they're going to scrape their knee or elbow or whatever. I think back to Callie when she first, I should have loaded the video, huh? When she's first learning how to ride her bike and she's tiny and she gets going and gets going and it falls and she gets up and kicks her bike. She's throwing things at her bike. It's the bike's fault. She was very, very upset at this bike. But you see the wobble. And when you see the wobble, you go, it's coming. Satan's trying to get us to wobble with these seeds of doubt. Did God really say, you can't eat of any tree? And what we begin to do is we go, well, I don't know. Did, wait, did he really say that? Let me think back. Oh, man, I guess I can't say with 100% certainty. And then off you go. You start going down a road that is unhealthy. That is why, church, it is so incredibly important for you to be in the Word of God. Your relationship on God should not be built on me. It should not be built on what what is said from this pulpit on a Sunday morning. I don't care if you go to church every Sunday morning and you go to, to men's group or ladies' group or whatever it is every Wednesday night. This is why it's important for you to have your own relationship with God and for you to be in the Word of God every single day. So when Satan jumps on the scene and says, did God really say? You go, I know what he said. I read it this morning. I know what he said. 
When culture says, well, is this really wrong? Are you sure? Isn't it kind of, you go, whoa, 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 whoa. I know what the word of God says. I know what God really said because I have a close relationship with him and I read it this morning. Verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. One thing I want to point out is Eve begins to have a conversation with this talking snake. Does that jump out at you? Have we lost how crazy that is? She's having this conversation with a talking snake. Imagine yourself having a conversation with a talking snake. I'm not going to sit on this too long, but it's I, this week I'm going, if a snake shows up in our house, do you know what Amber's going to do? Not have a conversation with it. If I am within earshot of her you know, getting my attention, which at that point could be a half a mile, I'm going to hear her. If I'm at work, I'm still going to hear her. And yet, Eve begins to engage. She gives Satan, this snake, attention, time, thought. What should she have done? ran the other way or killed the thing. If it was my grandpa in Arkansas, he would have went and got a hoe and then just, you know, cut the head off. That's what he used to do. So she begins to engage. She begins to give Satan attention and time. One other thing I want to point out, though, is she's alone. Adam isn't there. God isn't there. So she's having a conversation. And the way that I picture this, and the, and the Bible doesn't say specifically, but I imagine that she is within sight of this tree. And as Satan's beginning to say, look at that tree. You can't eat from that tree? Look at the fruit. It's amazing. It's wonderful, right? Like these are the things that I'm picturing as they're having this conversation. She's looking at it going, I know what that fruit tastes like, that fruit tastes like. I don't know what that fruit tastes like. Mm. Satan's no dummy. He knows what he's doing. He catches her alone and begins to tempt her. To, he begins to plant these seeds of doubt. I would like to think that if Adam were there, he'd go, whoa, 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 what's going on here? That's what I'd like to think. You shouldn't be talking to the snake. No, no, remember what God said. If God was there, he would have pointed out immediately, right away, right? But he catches her alone. In the next few weeks, I'm going to be preaching on this thought of alone. This will be, it'll be after this series. Because there are times in our lives where alone is good. And we were just kind of referencing it with Pastor Chuck. There are times that we are called to be alone. But then there are times where we have become alone. We have insulated ourselves. And that we are giving Satan permission to plant these seeds of doubt. This is no coincidence that she is being tempted while alone. Why doesn't she call out to Adam? Why doesn't she call out to God? Satan goes on to respond in verse 4. You will not certainly die, 
the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. So notice how he's ramping it up. Did God really say, are you sure any tree, every tree? To now, oh, come on, you won't certainly die. God said, you will certainly die. He then says, you will be like God. You will be like God. So now, not only does she have the temptation of this tree and this fruit and the curiosity, but now he goes, not only that, you're going to be like God. Now, when I use that phrase, like God, we, we sing this phrase, we talk about this phrase, we want to be like God. We're talking more about like sanctification type stuff. I want to be more like you and do things the way that you want me to do them. That's not what he's appealing, or the, the appealing part here. He's pretty much saying you'll be like God, meaning powerful, knowing. So now he's appealing to, hey, I'm going to play to this, and maybe, maybe that will be so appealing that she'll be willing to go against what God said. You will be like God. So, when she decides to take this fruit, she's actually taking it out of selfish ambition not to be closer to God. So, I don't want you to get that mixed up this morning. Taking that fruit, there was nothing good that she was thinking. She's thinking, I, well, I've been around God. I know how awesome and amazing He is. I want to be like that, not, not close to Him, like Him, whatever. I want to be a God. I want to be a God. Man, that reminds me of our culture today, right? They don't want to serve our God because they're too busy being their own God. That should not be appealing to us at all. Verse 6 goes on to say, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. I can just imagine when this conversation is taking place again, that she's staring at this tree, seeing how good it is, wondering what it's like. It's easy for us sometimes when seeds of doubt are planted to wonder if the grass is greener on the other side. That's what doubt begins to do. When doubt is planted, you start going, man, I wonder what it's like. I wonder what it's like just to go out with the guys and not have to check in and not have to be home. You know, they, they come into work and they had a great time the night before. I wonder what that's like. I wonder what it's like to have her as a wife instead of my wife. I wonder what it's like to not have to live by a bunch of rules where I can go and do and eat and drink and what, whatever I want to do. I wonder what that's like. The grass is greener on the other side. Verse 7, then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Up until this point, they didn't even realize that not having clothes on was even an issue. And how do I know that? Genesis 2.25 says, Adam and his wife were both naked, 
and they felt no shame. Well, now they feel shame because their eyes have been opened. Not their physical eyes. They could obviously see before this, but their, their consciousness, the fact that they have now sinned, now they realize we have done wrong. We've gone against what God said. Now they feel the shame. Our band is going to come forward. The question is, now that they feel the shame, what do you do with this shame? Well, they try to cover it up themselves. They try to cover it up themselves. This is no different than my two-year-old getting into something she shouldn't be getting into. Whenever our daughter Peyton has something she shouldn't have, she runs and she hides behind these lazy boy chairs. And she's eating them and, you know, getting into whatever she's getting into. She's running and hiding. Because she knows. She knows she's doing something she shouldn't be doing. So what do Adam and Eve do? They sew some fig leaves together. They're feeling shame. They try to fix this problem themselves. And they go and they hide. They hide from their creator. Because now, before then, there's no distance between them and God. They walked and they talked. They had conversations. They did life together, whatever that looked like. There was nothing between them. So now because some seeds of doubt were planted, a sin was committed, there's now this wedge and there's now this distance. They never had to hide from God before. They never had to. There was nothing to run and hide about. But now, because their eyes have been opened, they realize they're naked. They feel shame. God shows up. Adam and Eve hear him coming. And he's calling out to them. Where are you? And they start to explain we're hiding because we're naked. Well, who told you you were naked? And then the blame game starts. We're all familiar with the blame game, right? Looks at Adam. It was her fault. She's like, well, it was the serpent's fault. And it goes down the line. And essentially God says, all right, well, now things are going to be different. When sin enters the picture, things are different. Now there's a different set of rules. When sin enters the picture, now there's shame. When sin enters the picture, now there's distance. So God begins to hand out his punishments per se. Here's the repercussions. Here's what happens now that there's sin, now that there's shame. In Genesis 3, 21, we read that God creates clothing from animal skins. This is one of the first places that we see that what the punishment of sin is. Where did he get the animal skins from? Something had to die because of this sin. So God now creates for them clothing. It all started with doubt. It all started with these seeds of doubt. 
we're going to, as we continue this series, we're going to get into some very specific lies that Satan says to us. But I felt that it was appropriate that we have to start with, it starts with doubt. It starts with questioning the word of God. It starts with questioning, Eve was ultimately questioning God's motives. When Satan's going, oh, that's because he doesn't want this, that's because he doesn't want that. She is now questioning the very nature of God. That's crazy. What had God done to earn that up until that point? Nothing. He didn't earn that doubt. Church, as we begin to dive into this series and we begin to talk about some of the lies that Satan is telling us that we are buying into, the first thing I want to pray about and the first thing that I want our hearts to be protected from are the seeds of doubt. What I wish Eve would have done was called out to her husband so she wasn't alone. What I wish she would have done was called out to God the Father so he would have come and said, no, 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 this is the right way. But she didn't. She entertained this doubt. Church, we're in the same boat every single day where Satan is trying to drop these seeds of doubt in your heart, in your mind, and saying, is it really that wrong? I mean, seriously, is it that bad? Did God really say, I I don't think it's, come on. That's where it all begins. Seeds of doubt. Church, if we are in the word of God, and if we are surrounded by people who love God the way that we do, we're going to be quick to say, whoa, 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 whoa. I see what's going on here. This isn't good. This isn't good. Can we pray about this? Can we talk about this? I see the direction you're going and you're, you're asking yourselves these questions. Is this so bad? Is that so bad? Your Christian friends will come along beside you and go, yeah, it is that bad. I see what's going on here. I have a different perspective. Yes, it's that bad. Because this is where it starts. Who knows where it ends? Church, will you stand with me this morning? There might be some with us this morning this room or watching online and you say you know what Pastor Ben I've bought into some lies I'm not walking with God the way that you're talking about actually I've never walked with God the way that you're talking about today's your day this moment is your moment where you can start that relationship with God. You can say, from this moment forward, I want to be walking with God. I want to have that relationship with my Creator, with my Savior. That is what I'm looking for. That's what I'm asking for. This is your moment. Here in a few minutes, we're going to go back into a song, and our pastors are going to be up front, and they want to have a conversation with you. 
about that. And they want to pray with you about that. So you can accept Christ into your life. And your life can be different. But I also want to talk to you, those of you in this room, that maybe you're going through something where you're like, I'm seeing those seeds of doubt. I'm feeling it. I've been doubting some things that I should not be doubting. Today is your day where you can say, Lord, from this moment forward, I'm leaning on you. I'm calling out to you. I don't want to be alone in this. I want good Christian people to surround me, to help me. God, I want you to speak to me. I want to follow your word. When I start to question, when I start to doubt what you really said, God, I just, I need your help. I need your help. Today's your day. Where you say, from this moment forward, things are going to be different. We're going to go back into a song. And the reason why we do this is this is now your opportunity to take what we discussed this morning and say, God, what out of all of this applies to me? Maybe you already know. But there might be some in this room where you're like, I'm not really sure. God, speak to my heart. Search my heart, oh God. This is an opportunity for you to take what we talked about and apply it to our lives. Will you pray with me this morning, church? Lord, we love you. And God, I am grateful that we're not alone. God, that we have you, we have your Holy Spirit with us every single day. God, I pray for those in this room who have been struggling with doubt, who have been struggling with the very things that you've said. Maybe they're wondering if you really love them the way that you say you do. Maybe they're toying with some things because seeds of doubt were planted. God, I just pray that you speak to them in this moment. God, I pray that they would not leave this room until things are right with you. God, I pray that as those seeds of doubt begin to come our way, Lord, that we would pick them up, that we would look at them and know, no way. I know what that is. I know who that is. And I know what his agenda is. God, we are asking that you help us. Speak to us. Give us strength. Jesus, we love you, and I need you. We need you. In Jesus' name.